Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hello, welcome to Nobody Panic, uh, with me, Stevie Martin, and my good friend, Tessa Coates. Hello, hello. Tessa. H- hello, Stevie. Hello, everybody listening. And hello to our guest this week. We're joined in the virtual studio by a very exciting uh, expert. <laughs> yes. So today we are doing we're doing how to recycle, and um, we, have, we have a sustainability expert, author of the wonderful book, Can I Recycle This? And also she's a legal associate at the Surfrider Foundation's Plastic Pollutions Initiative. So basically, she knows this stuff a lot. It's Jenny Roma. She's joining us from very cool, but also very warm at the moment, New York. How are you doing, Jenny? And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Basically, sometimes we will do episodes where we're like, because we do like a how-to each time. And sometimes it'd be like, oh yeah, we don't know anything about this. (laughs) So it's really great to have someone who genuinely does know their business. Should we just go straight in? Certainly. I think it's such a massive one. And I think everybody's got questions we want to ask you. Um, I think let's ease ourselves in with being like, what is it that got you excited about recycling in the first place? What led to the book? Why did you, I mean, everybody's interested and passionate about it, but why did you decide that this was going to be your cause that you were going to champion? Uh, Well, I'm known as an expert in plastic bag laws. That's kind of been my thing. I was a, I was a, (laughs) I was a law student in San Francisco back when San Francisco adopted their plastic bag ban back in 2006. And the plastics industry started kind of circling um, and started suing cities in California saying you, you know, that plastic, the paper bags are worse than plastic and all kinds of stuff. And so the plastics industry was super organized and willing to spend like millions of dollars to stop local jurisdictions from adopting laws. And so I was a law student and I decided to become the expert. Um, There was no competition at the time because (laughs) no one else was really (laughs) set out to become the expert. And so I made a website, I made some business cards, and I started showing up at hearings and saying, I'm the expert in plastic bag laws. Um, And so, you know, that was was, was 15 years ago. Um, And so I spent a lot of time talking to recycling, uh, you know, your local or local uh, recycling companies and um, all kinds of people about a lot about about plastic bags and the industry would say, oh, but they're recyclable. 
And so I kind of spent time gathering evidence that like, oh, no, they actually clog machinery and there's no market for them. No one wants to buy them and really got into kind of learning all the details about recycling that way. Amazing. And can I ask, what is the and what is the law now about? So in the UK, for example, at the supermarket, you'd have to pay 5p, 10p, 20p to get Mm. a plastic bag. Um, What is that? What is that what's happening in America? That's really what I push for. But we have we have a variety of laws now. We have nine states that have their own statewide laws and we have about 550 local laws. So I push for having a fee involved so that people have to kind of pause and say, do I really need this? Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's just a ban on certain bags, but I try to have a fee involved in some, in some, in some way. Right. Mm-hmm. And now it's expanded to, of course, your book is obviously not just about bags, although I would read that book. It's about <laughs> reducing your single use plastic mm-hmm. in general and also trying to you know recycle better and I wanted to ask you, Tessa, how like how do you feel that your recycling is going? I just think I'm so bad at it. That I mean I'm so I'm so enthusiastic, but like I just feel like I put everything into the green. So our, in this country our recycling bags are green and they're collected by the council once a week. And I feel like I just sort of put everything in there. And people keep being like, that one's not recyclable. I'm like, yes, it is. Like, why not? And I think like, and I think what's <laughs> I think what I find so crazy is that like if we have the technology for things to be recyclable or if we have the technology to make a bag out of a banana or you know increasingly I see like the other day at the supermarket I got a plastic bag and on and I was like oh I can't believe these so the bananas had come in a plastic bag and I was like what a waste but when I got home it, it said like this is a compostable bag made from plant waste I was like fantastic well done the supermarket and I was like okay so if we if we can do this why isn't it compulsory for everyone to be doing it how do we do it right because my blanket policy is like everything in there <laughs> like, and I know that's not that's not right you know yeah and so I spent a lot of time like I said looking at plastic bag laws and then I that led me to spending a lot of time at recycling centers and kind of seeing like what happens because so many people put this stuff in their bins and then that's just kind of over there and they kind of hope for the best. Um, Mm -hmm. And so what my book really looks at is what happens next. Um, And so my one big take home is follow your local rules. They are, are, they're different in local places, but it usually depends on two things. One is kind of the philosophy of recycling for your local jurisdiction. And two is like, what kind of machinery do they have and what kind of relationships do they have to sell that stuff? So some places with the philosophy, they have a philosophy of just kind of give us everything and we'll sort it out. And they'll take like basically all rigid plastics. So they'll take all that stuff. But the reality is that there's only only some really have an end market. So end market means there's some other manufacturer who wants to purchase those those items and turn them into something else. So, you know, at your recycling facility, they're not really just like taking everything, like taking your soup cans and like manufacturing them to something right there. They're taking all your stuff, sorting it into bales, kind of like hay bales, and then selling it to on the commodities market to a buyer. So for plastic in particular, some of it is wor- actually worth some money. Um, I did some research uh, for the book and the ones that are worth the most are water bottles and milk jugs the, or shampoo bottles. So those are made out of PET and HDPE plastics, and those are worth the most. But then a lot of the other stuff, what we call kind of, well, basically everything else, <laughs> kind of numbers three through seven, are worth about 
negative $17 on a ton on the commodities market for like all the other stuff. But those, the milk jugs in particular are worth about a thousand dollars a ton. So like, that's a huge difference. Mm. And a lot of people just see plastic as like one thing. They think, they think, oh, I'll throw this in the bin. Maybe it'll get recycled. But really it's a commodities market. And so it has to be worth something in order for someone to buy it and turn it into something else. So like sometimes is, is that why like, you know, because at home with my parents, the little like, you know, when you've got, you know, you buy strawberries and there's like the robust tub and then there's mm-hmm. the tiny little like plastic that you like peel off the top. The, the, the peeling off the top thing, they, they can't recycle and the robust tub, they do recycle. And is that because mm-hmm. people are more likely to buy robust tubs? Yeah. So that's probably ah. made out of that, that, number two HDPE plastic and somebody wants to buy that a lot of cosmetic companies are buying that type of plastic now and turning them into like plastic compacts and stuff like that but the other stuff is a film so it might get caught in the machinery and then nobody's going to want to buy it at the other end um for a long time that kind of really cheap low value plastic was going to China China doesn't want it anymore they were kind of burning it and dumping it in their environment for the most part anyway. So um, it's a good, good thing that we're, we're trying to close the stores internationally to importing all of that stuff. And so now we're talking about it more now that there isn't that just kind of like place to, to go, but it's, it's very complicated. So even mm. you mentioned compostable plastic, that, that banana wrap, yeah, that needs to go to like exactly the right place in order for it to be composted. Like it needs to go no. to... A commercial facility. There's like multiple problems. One of them is with you've just explained, which I think is really helpful because some people I know will be like, well, it's all different. And everywhere I move has a different cycling thing. So it's all bullshit anyway. So I'm just going to like throw it all in the bin. You're like, well, that's unhelpful. So actually your local laws, you should be following it because that's based on what machinery they have in order to sort it and how, what their process is. Every local place has a different process. So that's really good to know, to just follow your local sort of rules. But then the other thing, for example, like you say about that banana plastic wrap, I bought loads of dental floss things, picks that are sustainable. But then when, yeah, when it came to putting them in the bin, I was like, I don't know which bin, there's no like rule of which bin mm-hmm. to put that in. So you have to t- then like, package it up and send it to like a place like that. Oh, yeah. People don't have the time to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there are two, I guess, vocab terms, <laughs> but one of them is, is wish cycling. So that's what we say when people are trying, just putting everything in their recycling bin and kind of wishing that it was recyclable. Hello. That's um, me. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> wish cycling. Um, and then, yes. And so, you know, trying to avoid that full, following those local rules even if you don't agree with them um, and you really want something to be recyclable like having you put it in the bin isn't going to make them suddenly think oh yeah we should start recycling this (laughs) really really feel very seen I feel very seen yeah (laughs) (laughs) sorry and then another is greenwashing so that's when a company is really is saying they're doing something great for the environment when they are not really or maybe even doing something worse so having those things like compostable, various compostable like films or dental floss, like companies, you feel really great and you buy, maybe pay more money for something like that, but it needs to go to the right place. And so, you know, if you have like a curbside composting bin and if the curbside composters actually want that stuff, then like, okay, you know, that's probably good. But in most places, if you're buying it and then you're just putting it in the landfill, like that's really not going to be 
make a difference. Mm. So having that whole like that whole system in place is really what you need. So would you is this this will be too simplified now what I'm about to say but I'm gonna try it uh, for my own sanity. (laughs) Sometimes in the in um, in some boroughs that I've lived in and some counties I've lived in they have yeah food compost bin and so you basically just put all your food in there. Say you did have like a fully compostable film or something would you put it in there or would you still not do that i personally can avoid doing it just because i i've worked for i worked for a group that was kind of like an environmental health group and kind of saw how much like how many different like color dyes and like additives and stuff that are in all this uh, plastic even the compostable plastic that I don't really want to put it in the soil like I don't I'd rather just put like food scraps in there Mm. but it depends but you know again follow your local rules and some some jurisdictions are saying like okay yeah give us all these like you know films and stuff but, you know, so many food containers and utensils and stuff now are say they're compostable. And I'm pretty skeptical about that. And so what I what I work on really now is trying to switch to reuse as much as possible. So, you know, if you're in a cafe, trying to have that stuff that is reusable as much as possible. And then when you're getting takeaway, having going home, if you're going mm-hmm. home, having the using your utensils at home and trying to avoid all that stuff on the go as much as possible. And so that's kind of the push that we're looking at now rather than going from one single use thing to another. It's just like being Joey and friends and just having a fork on you at all times. At all yeah. times. And I do that too, which is like something yeah. that I, I try to keep a fork in my purse so that I can avoid doing that. Yeah. Uh, or if, well, you yeah. can buy really cute little, because I got my, my, my sister bought one uh, for me for Christmas. So you can buy little beautiful little knife and fork sets mm-hmm. that you carry around with you that you go like, yeah, of course, that's going to make such a huge it's like it's a little thing but it's going to make a massive difference so many of these single-use plastic items like aren't recyclable but people feel okay about using them because they'll be like oh i got all these like i've got six extra forks in my you know bag of food that i ordered for friends and then i'll just but i'll just put them all in the recycling bin but knowing that those aren't really recyclable because they are kind of awkwardly shaped and they're made out of a plastic that no one wants to buy those are just going to go to like, you know, incineration or landfill makes you want to reduce more rather mm. than just saying like, oh, it's recyclable. It's okay. I'll, I'll recycle. Very, <laughs> it's really, it really taps into like a really big part of human psychology of being like, they've given us this sort of easy out that's like, oh, it's a recyclable plastic. This is fine. As opposed to being like, we cannot, mm-hmm. we cannot do any plastics. I say bring your own everything. So yeah, the, the the bags and, you know, start with what, what you're comfortable with and then go on from there. So and don't feel bad if you, you know, have one thing where you are at a restaurant and you forgot something like it's not the end of the world. Just like remember next time, um, be nice to yourself. But, you know, bring your own coffee cup, you know, and these a lot of these these things are really not recyclable. Like coffee cups are generally made from a, a short paper fiber um, and short paper fibers really kind of slip through all the screens at paper recycling facilities, paper mills. And so I know I've, I, oh I, I break a lot of hearts with this. Um, it's just like they just, I know like the wish, the wish cycling group. Hello. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you do just look at a coffee cup and like not the plastic lid, but the actual like paper cup. You think like, well, mm-hmm. fantastic. That's a paper cup, you know? Yeah. And you know, and, and paper, Coffee cups are made to withstand water and heat. 
Um, and that's basically what's used the po- the paper pulp mills to kind of break everything up. So you know, yeah. Anyway, they they don't they don't fare well. Yeah. <laughs> they basically end up with the waste with that with the wastewater um, if they are at those facilities. So um, so it's another like I said, try to have the take home be like if it's not recyclable, like even more reason to try to bring your own yeah. uh, water bottles, utensils. Um, and then, you know, I try to bring my own food containers when I can. So, you know, especially during during the pandemic, food containers have been a, you know, a big source of of waste. But if you can, having bringing your own food container for your leftovers. So if you're going out to a, a meal or somewhere where you where you usually might have leftovers, like plan ahead and bring a little container there's some cute ones out there or if you're getting takeaway you know I've built relationships with like you know my Chinese food restaurant where I like to go they know me and I can call and say like it's Jenny I'll bring my own container and they can put it right in for me (laughs) or if they're not comfortable with it put it on a plate and then you can put it in your container so because those things like aren't recyclable either a lot of the time so just trying to avoid the waste that you know you're going to generate listen there's one right beside me but like this sort of very hard Mm -hmm. tupperware takeaway box those aren't recyclable either well the most recyclable things are the bottles and jugs so they're made they're made a slightly different way. The polymers are are really much more dense mm-hmm. uh, for bottles and jugs, and then for the things like that that are more flat, like those trays, um, are slightly like less dense type of polymer. There's less molecular weight involved, and so those aren't as valuable. So they're oh, less no. likely to get turned into something else too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> could you do the thing where you? You turn takeaway boxes into, I use them for like lunch boxes and also instead of mm-hmm. cling film, like storing food, you know, like you just put a bit of cheese and normally you'd wrap cling film around it and then throw the cling film away. You put the cheese in the old Tupperware that you've kept mm-hmm. since 1973 or whatever. <laughs> and then yeah. you've just got a fridge full of Tupperware. But obviously that's not sustainable because then you will drown in Tupperware. So you, there comes yeah. a point when you do have to be like, I've got my own. I've got my own. Please don't bring any more into the house. <laughs> yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. I've got my own thing. Can you please put the takeaway in that? But what I find interesting about it is like, sometimes people feel uncomfortable and silly doing that. And it's like, there's got to be such a push towards being like, it's not silly nobody mm-hmm. thinks you're silly it's just like now having a reusable water bottle is like compl- well it, in england here it's completely every day everyone seems to have one mm-hmm. coffee cup as well you see people with reusable coffee cups a little bit less so but like you see them but then take mm-hmm. bringing your own container and being like can you put my food in this some people feel really like oh i just feel like an idiot and we've got to stop that <laughs> so if you're listening being like i could never do that you can mm-hmm. also i i did it sometimes it helps when like places and some places do actually do have money off your takeaway if you bring a -hmm. thing which helps but if you sometimes if you like find one of those places do that a bit and then you get into the vibe of it and then you can go to places that don't offer any money off and then you don't feel stupid Mm -hmm. other people would see that and say oh i didn't even think about doing about bringing my own food Mm. container you know a lot of time when i'm refusing straws or when i'm bringing my own container or something i say like oh well you know i just like trying to use less plastic and to try to give people a little a little context to say you know I'm not crazy but please help me with this yeah I think it's um I don't really know quite how we managed to get to this place where you know taking your own container to something feels very sort of like hippie-ish for want of a better word and everyone's like Mm -hmm. oh I I would I would be too embarrassed 
just to ask the coffee place to use my coffee cup. Like, why? Like, what's possibly embarrassing about about that? You it's know, very I think British, isn't very it? British. Like, oh, just, sorry, don't want to cause a bother. Don't want to cause a bother. Like, <laughs> yes, I think it's that, isn't it? Not wanting to be a bother and not wanting to do any sort of. We don't like to deviate from the norm in this country. Thank you. I guess it's that, and we just have to, like you're saying, see, with the water yeah. bottles, like the norm just has moved in the direction that now someone buying I think someone buying a water bottle in the people would be like oh bought a water bottle I see a new a brand new plastic <laughs> water bottle hmm you know whereas a couple of years ago everyone was like oh bringing your own water bottle like ooh. Mm-hmm. um so I think hopefully that cultural shift is just happening with more and more stuff and we're moving in a positive if very slow you know direction yeah and I do try to build a little bit of a relationship first a lot of the time if I'm bringing in my container so so that I don't do it just like everywhere I go necessarily um but if I you know go into it like have them like have seen my face more than once and then say oh I just brought this like is it okay rather than kind of demanding especially um you know post-pandemic like or still during it perhaps um having making sure that people are comfortable so I'm not going to like bring my thing because people are kind of extra sensitive about but now we know it's it's okay and so bringing all that stuff is okay but still you know people people in restaurants and stuff are are frontline workers so making sure that they they feel comfortable and like not just kind of shoving things in their face or anything for sure mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary. Not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. We've got our Joey fork in our bag and we're, you know, what can we do on a bigger scale that's like, are there... Will the government listen if people email? Like, do you need to be going to your local? <laughs> if I email Boris, will that help? Like, or like, should you be sort of like going to your local council and being like, like, it just feels like it feels like the ideas are there, the technology is there. Like, people know the smart people have worked out how to do this. It's just that like it doesn't make enough money, so nobody is interested mm-hmm. in doing it. And so, like, what will what will it take to like change minds at a top level to sort of? I'm like, what can we what can we do? Yeah, well, that's what I do at my my day job at Surfrider is I work yeah. on plastic reduction policy. And we have... I'm we so have, glad uh, you're here. 
<laughs> and the good thing is we have, you know, Surfrider was, was founded by surfers to protect their break, their beach basically in California. And we've, and we've uh, expanded out to all kinds of ocean protection, including keep, keeping plastics out of the ocean. So we help volunteers basically all over the country and all over the world in a lot of local campaigns. So all that local work with your with your city council, you know, saying that you want a, a bag law or banning banning styrofoam, making restaurants have to use utensils that are reusable or to ask you whether you want one. So we've made a lot of progress with that. But now we're talking about addressing all the plastics that are on the grocery store shelves too. So when you're going to the store, like, okay, mm. you know, addressing like bringing your own bag is fine. But when you get to the store and everything is just covered in plastic on the shelves and you don't have any options, like trying to make that stuff made out of plastic that's actually recyclable, um, having reuse options is kind of the next level. So I think, you know, I'd say, you know, if you live near Surfrider, contact them and get involved. Like we have like coaches kind of <laughs> to, to help you. Um, but you can also just reach out to your local and, you know, all of your politicians and say, I care about this because they hear so much from lobbyists and from, you know, the plastics industry, the package goods industry, who have people that are paid to, you know, lobby for all their laws, but hearing from their constituents who, you know, vote them in the office, that really matters a ton. Yeah. And I would say, you know, try to figure out if there's something else happening in your area, if there's some kind of push for you know, single use plastic reduction. And like I said, a big take home of my book is just, just trying to use less plastic. Um, and so you know, a lot of the time there are, depending on your area, there are already people or groups who are working on that stuff. So you could even just like use the Google and say like, you know, your, your town and plastic and like maybe something will come up. Um, <laughs> or there's a, there's a group called uh, Break Free from Plastic and it's an international movement. They have tons of local affiliates. So maybe there's one of those groups that's in your area or a surfrider group. And those people are already kind of in the know and have some ideas happening. So kind of plugging in. Can I come back to what you're talking about, the finances, about no one wanting to buy stuff and you saying that it was minus $17 to the ton. Is that mm -hmm. right? That like, so it's not only is it not making, it co it's costing money to, mm -hmm. to do it. And is that just like, it, is that, have we not found any use for it? We can't make it a fuel. We can't do can we not do anything with it? It's simply like, that's it. That's the end of the game for this, these plastics. Yeah. So it's slightly, if you're selling it to someone for negative $17, like at least you're not paying for the full cost of landfilling it, which might be like in the US might be $75 or $55. You know, you're paying for all that sorting and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. So that cost is a little bit more. But you're selling it to someone who, you know, at that rate, they're probably not making it into like... A fancy new product they might be maybe turning it into like adding it to pulp wood and making it into a park bench or something at best case okay. scenario <laughs> but, okay um and and there are there are a lot of moves by the plastics industry in particular right now um globally to kind of rebrand recycling to include uh, waste to fuel so right now incineration is something that happens to a lot of waste and they're trying to now you know keep doing that have that count as recycling or branded as waste to energy which uh, I'm not supportive of calling that recycling um, and then they're also saying uh, chemical recycling is another word they're using and that's basically plastic to 
fuel or, and so burning plastic. And that's not something we want to have count as recycling either. So I'm an attorney at the Surfrider Foundation. I spend a lot of time working on policies. And so I see that the plastics industry is, you know, saying, okay, like, let's call this recycling and let's get a bunch of government subsidies to build these big plastic to fuel or burning plastic kind of facilities. But I want to see facilities that actually take your bottles and like shred them and then turn them into new bottles. <laughs> or, and that doesn't exist. Is that not a, is that a no, that's it. That's, dream or it actually exists? Anyway? That that happens, but it okay. only happens for those high value plastics what, that actually like kind of make sense to get made into something else. So okay. I want to see like, I want to see a shift towards more things being packaged in those high value plastics so we can actually, you know, do that kind of, we call it mechanical recycling with them and then also having more reuse systems. So mm. I don't want to see like, inve- especially government investments. I don't want to see investments in like burning plastic. I want to see investments in having maybe buying your beer in a glass bottle that then gets returned and washed out, refilled with beer and sold to you again. Whereas most of our bottles are getting just kind of smashed and then very like inefficiently returned back into a a new um, bottle or just used as something like kind of used maybe in cement or something like that. So we have a whole lot of work to do. You mentioned about about, like the coffee cups and wishful recycling. Is there any more things like that that people would presume are recyclable or fine and just just aren't yeah anything that you wish people knew yeah and so I think there you know there's wish cycling that is a problem that's just because it's like a lot of volume that that recyclers have to deal with and just kind of throw away at the end but then there's some stuff that is actually makes it a lot more difficult for the for the recycling um, facilities and so one thing is tanglers and so Things like they get tangled in the equipment and make it so the equipment has to get like shut down to have things cleaned out. And so uh, one thing I mentioned is our plastic bags. So those those are plastic films in general get caught in the gears of the recycling facilities. So don't wish cycle your plastic bags. Um, And a lot of people want to do that. um, But that's I recycle plastic bags all the time. Sometimes a lot of the time you put your actual recycling in a big plastic bag Um, and they'll like rip that open basically and kind of dump out everything onto a conveyor belt but if you're putting in all those other films and plastic bags into the big bag then that's going to go on the conveyor belt go into the system and kind of get caught it'll get caught on the more valuable stuff like aluminum cans and like those more expensive um, plastic bottles and make it harder for those like can kind of contaminate those and get stuck in the machinery so don't recycle like you can some places <laughs> let you bring them to drop off but or just try to avoid them as much as you can so you rip um, so you take those like flimsy little plastic boys off the robust boys and you just mm-hmm. you, and then you put the flimsy ones in with your non-recyclables and your yeah. more robust looking plastics in the recycle i see and plastic mm-hmm. bags if you must you can put your recyclables in the plastic bag because they'll just get torn open, but don't put plastic bags in the plastic bags because that's a nightmare. Yeah, they're, they're small. They're hard to, you know, the ones that are big, they just rip open and they can, you know, usually throw away. Um, but the all the small stuff, it just, you know, it's kind of a nightmare <laughs> if you're putting it in, in the bins, unfortunately. So that's one big, big warning. And then other things like people put 
like garden hoses and electron, like extension cords and those kind of rope-like things, uh, those get caught in machinery a lot and cause a lot of problems or things like clothes. Um, don't like, you know, don't wish cycle your clothes. Like those need to go to some kind of other facility and then batteries. You can never recycle your batteries curbside. They need to go to, you know, be brought, brought, brought back to the store, but all the rechargeable batteries are have lithium and those can cause explosions and fires. So don't put them in your recycling bin. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's fascinating. You, know. you can see people's like mindsets of like recycling plastic, like the extension cords, I suppose they are plastic. I but think you're like, people got, think obviously stuff in there. I think it feels when you put it in and I wouldn't put a extension cable or a battery mm-hmm. in. I and also here I think most supermarkets by the exit have like a big clear thing for batteries. So I think it feels very instinctive mm-hmm. of where batteries should go. But I can see the logic of being like, oh, this extension cable has plastic bits and I feel like I can't mm-hmm. fix it, but somebody must be able to mm-hmm. use the wires and things in here. They must be useful. So I think it's that of feeling, rather than it being like, everything that goes in this bag will go into a machine and the machine will be ruined rather than like a person mm-hmm. will sift through everything for you. Yeah. yeah, like the borrowers being like, what can we use from yeah. this? It's like, it's not the borrowers, it is a machine <laughs> and the machine will break if you, yeah. I think that, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I think it's just so kind of, it's so opaque as far as what happens next. Like so many people just feel like, oh, I'm a good person because I'm putting as much as I can into this mm. into this bin and it'll all get sorted out at the other side. But um, but knowing that, you know, yeah, it's not the borrowers. It's not some someone who's thinking like, oh, I hadn't thought to recycle this before, but now that I see it. <laughs> so yeah, just giving them what they want um, and avoiding, especially avoiding the stuff that's harmful. And then another thing is are smalls. So anything that's really tiny, like less than two inches by two inches, those are really just going to fall through the cracks at the facilities. So, you know, if you're, if you're grabbing little, all these tiny, tiny bits of plastic, those are most likely going to fall through the cracks and end up going to a landfill as well. So, and also another reason to try to avoid that, like. Where are we supposed to put them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. One kind of policy I'm working on with New York City Council is um, is condiments and utensils upon request. So when you're ordering food, having a, you know, a pop-up that, where you say, okay, these are the ones that I want, um, kind of like ordering toppings on a pizza. So you can say exactly what you want rather than kind of just everything being shoved in a bag, which is what happens with delivery a lot of the time now where you oh, just damn. kind of, you're like, okay, it's customary that you get all of those utensils and napkins and packets regardless of what you have at home. And so um, yeah. kind of shifting shifting that mentality. Rather than just doing it through delivery, you can call mm-hmm. your Indian takeaway and be like, oh, by the way, like I'm actually fine for chutney and I'm fine for this. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then thanking them if they actually send you what you wanted, <laughs> because I think like seeing that there's that kind of feedback for it too is really helpful. I think. Yeah, the small things is such a surprise because a couple of years ago, the big, the famous picture of the seahorse carrying the you know Q-tip mm-hmm. earbud around, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, "My lord, we must put the Q-tips in the recycling." But then to be like, <laughs> "No, that's not helpful either. You just need to <laughs> not be buying them. Q-tips." Like you mm-hmm. don't need them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it's 
But I think, and I'm sure the instinct on seeing that image and seeing it was like, into the recycling, must go into the recycling. Don't let it go to landfill. Don't let it end up in the sea. But actually it's like, it's going there anyway. Like there's nothing. Don't have it in the first place. I was wondering if we could end on something hopeful. Yeah, so I think we're really headed towards larger policy change. In the US, I've been working on a federal piece of legislation called the Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act that really looks at all cycles of plastic, like from production Cutting, uh, putting moratoriums on production for new plastics facilities, like having national laws about bags and extended producer responsibility, like holding the manufacturers of products responsible financially for paying for the recycling. And so making them really want to shift to that, like better, like higher quality plastic so they can recycle it. Um, and so that's something I'm excited about. And it's something we're already seeing really happening in the EU and other places. So like we know how to fix a lot of this stuff and we're starting to get there. And I think, you know, having people involved, having people call their their legislators and say, hey, this is something I care about, um, I think is part of it. So that's that's my positivity <laughs> for the end Okay. Okay. I feel hopeful. I feel hopeful-ish, and I also feel like I'm armed, even though it was uh, hard to hear sometimes. Armed with the <laughs> information, I now need to do things like take my cutlery to places, ask to get containers, use your own container where possible, and just keep it. Up. Also, little things like you know when you see like the onions and they're in like a weird little bag, and then there's loose onions. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'll get these little bag onions. No, get the loose onions and just keep. <laughs> on top of the little things you, that we can do while the while Jenny's all, all across the massive changes. <laughs> oh, this has been horrendous, quite frankly. <laughs> this has been, I feel in like an way. <laughs> this was a real, yeah. I was definitely in a real sort of like ignorance is bliss scenario of like really thinking mm-hmm. how well I was doing and it turns out I was not doing well. Um, yeah, I'm a bit of a downer sometimes, but... <laughs> no, it's so, think- it's so important. It's so important. And we can't just sort of put our head in the sand and be like, yeah, They'll fix it. The borrowers will fix it. The borrowers. And it, if you've been listening, like, I would like to know more, please go and buy Jenny's book, Can I Recycle This? A Guide to Better Recycling and How to Reduce Single-Use Plastics. Because that's what we all obviously should be doing. And what are your handles where people can like follow you? On Instagram, Jenny the Freckle. And there's also a Can I Recycle This Book, C-I-R-T Book on Twitter. So yeah, follow me. um, And if you get the book, please uh, post about it on social media, especially things like let us know, let me know what things you're you're changing or you've learned. I'd love to hear that stuff. Yeah, God, thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast, but also for all the work you do thank you for being our our, our guiding light and th- thank you very much for listening you can follow us at nobody panic pod and do get in touch with us if you have any you- see you next week guys it's all gonna be okay because we've got jenny in our <laughs> it's all gonna be okay thank you so much jenny thank you so much for listening we'll see you next time Bye. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hi, I'm Lucy Beaumont. And guess what? I'm Sam Campbell. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy our podcast. It's called Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains. It, we have a podcast and uh, it might be, uh, I probably don't want to sound, um, you know, like I'm bragging, but it's dynamite. It is electric. It's high voltage. And please, we really need you to listen. You don't understand how much we need this. Is it on all the platforms? Oh, it absolutely is. But um, yeah, we, th- this one is coming. This one's out now. Lucy and Sam's perfect brands.